You are listening to a Geek Network interview. Be sure to hit the follow button to get notified when a new episode is available. You can also visit us at geek-network.com for your guide to the geek entertainment news you love. Created for geeks, by geeks, and remember to always geek responsibly. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in. Uh, Today we have a very special guest. We have Brian Posehn on here. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. How are you? Not too bad. I just want to start off by saying that uh, I've been a big fan of yours for ages, so it's awesome having you on. Oh, I appreciate that. Very cool. I always love having, you know, a fellow uh, geek uh, with us on here, so this is awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And, um, you know, since uh, you've been uh, working on comics for quite some time, you have a couple coming up here shortly. Um, just want to go ahead and start off by asking, uh, how do you get started uh, with writing for TV? And also, how did you uh, how did you get involved with uh, writing comics? Oh, well, with TV, um, the first thing, uh, the first job I got was uh, MTV back in the old days. Uh where they had programming <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was a game show in the nineties. And um, I was living in San Francisco, but was planning on moving down here just because standup was kind of drying up. If you weren't a headliner, it, you know, it was going to be hard to uh, make a living if you were just an opener or, or an MC or, you know, which was what level I was at at the time in the early nineties. And so uh I subletted a place and got this job uh, down here or down in LA. And uh, that was just the first thing. And then from that, you know, it kind of was word of mouth and then lucking into Mr. Show. I've been pretty picky about the shows I wrote on or the kind of shows I wrote on. Cause like once I, once I did Mr. Show, I kind of, I could have written other sketch shows, but I didn't really want to because I felt like I had written on the, the best version at that time, at least, you know? Definitely. And then then getting into comic books, Mm -hmm. it's just, it was a love always. And I've been going to San Diego Comic-Con since, since I moved to LA. So that was around 94, 95, I think was the first time I went down to San Diego uh, or for the con. And uh, it had, I've gone every, every year since it's for COVID of course. But uh, um, then I met, you know, all these guys, I met people that worked at Image, I met people that worked at Marvel, and and uh, a lot of my friends, you know, now are, you know, guys like Rick Reminder and Jerry Duggan, they're all, you know, uh, popular comic book writers, but at the time we were, there is, you know, fans, Jerry worked at a comic book store that I frequented in, uh, in LA, uh, Golden Apple, and that's how we met, like, he would, uh, he was the guy I would go see on Wednesdays, and you know, talk about whatever books we're in and whatever movies are out and music and that kind of stuff. And so when I was doing a pilot about a comic book shop, he was, you know, was the first guy I hired. And then from there, we, we just had this idea at image or, you know, and pitched it to image. The first thing I did was called the last Christmas and it was uh, Santa Claus after the apocalypse. And basically we tried to sell it as a movie, but everybody passed and you know people thought about it we got close a couple of times 
like one of uh, Tarantino's producers liked it. And then one of the guys from the, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies and one of the guys from 300 liked it at that time. It was going around in the uh, early 2000s as, as a movie, but it was, you know, for guys who hadn't sold anything, it was going to have to be like a $100 million movie to do it right if you wanted to do it live action. Right. Uh, <laughs> when it didn't sell... We said, well, let's do it as a comic book. Uh, our friend Steve Niles had done that uh, with 30 Days a Night. Um, he had written that originally as a screenplay and everybody said no. And then he wrote it as a, as a comic book. And then, of course, he sold it for like $3 million or something to make a movie. <laughs> so uh, we knew that was something you could do. So we wrote it as a comic and it's still out there. <laughs> like Sony owns it, but it was the first thing we did. And it scratched an itch that I didn't even know I had. Like, I love writing so much and I love reading comic books, but I didn't know I wanted to write comic books till till we did it, really, you know? And I had so much fun. And then Deadpool, like, I totally lucked into that. That was through meeting the Marvel guys and them just going, hey, would you ever consider writing Deadpool? And Jerry Duggan and I were like, yeah, but what do we do? And we worked on these stories and pitched them these stories and... uh that they wound up that wound up being our first our first 12 or 18 issues was the like the first year that we pitched to them and then we wound up doing three and a half years and then jerry did even more like two years more than me after i left right and then um i guess uh this question has kind of circulated um online quite a bit um like you've considered dc but uh you kind of always wanted to write someone that was quite humorous uh right is that my understanding i mean that's what made the most sense like well comic book editors don't know me as a serious guy you know so yeah i could pitch something really dark or i could do something really dark but they know me as a comedy guy and and so it felt like if I was going to do DC, it would have to be somebody like Plastic Man. And just this, I had talked to the editors there and I just never broke the right Plastic Man story. And then when it came to Deadpool, we broke these stories. We're like, oh, here's what it is. You know, uh, the first one that we sold was the Dead Presidents and the idea of it just being like a Ghostbusters type summer movie with deadpool you know we wanted it sure it's a comic book but we wanted it to feel uh cinematic you know and big bigger than the page yeah definitely that makes a lot of sense uh which one of these uh three books uh so secret history of the war on weed uh scotch mcturnian's halloween party and then scotch mcturnian's holiday party uh which one of these is your favorite book and why oh I mean, I love all three. They, they're crazy. And I've never worked on a comic book that uh, happened as as quickly as these have. Like, honestly, we're still writing the holiday one that's going to be out like in three weeks or four weeks. Like we're punching it up right now. So uh, I mean, you know, I'm in the middle of that one is nuts. I love I love comic books that tackle, you know, traditional christmas stories and we do we uh we we uh, do a little scrooge in this one um but we we do up an update and of course with scotch McTiernan, in this the ultimate 80s action hero getting thrown into the situation uh that one's great but i i i have to say the halloween one because 
we did an ET thing that really made me laugh, you know, where we, we made it seem like he was going to go after the spoiler, but uh, we did some twists and some things in there. And, and uh, ET is one of my all time favorite movies. And to, to mess with that, those tropes and the, uh, that character and, you know, beloved Spielberg film, but make it twisted and put an action guy in there killing aliens spoiler <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a good one <laughs> that, that was a lot of fun i mean with the whole character the way it came about for the the war on weed was you know let's put one of these guys that's you know always seemed kind of surface in those movies they never went that deep you know and and uh the the schwarzenegger movies like commando you never learned there wasn't a lot of character development but we just <laughs> felt like if you took one of those guys and kind of uh, turned it on its head and put him in a situation where he was forced to change, you know, cause he falls in love with somebody or uh, that one, the, the first one wound up being, I mean, the answer is I love all three, <laughs> but you know, they've, they've all been fun and to write this character and to have it like uh, shared with the world as quickly as these are. A lot of times when you're working on a comic book, as people know, um you're sitting in a room for a year maybe sometimes two or four people see what you've worked on this one you know we've cranked it out within months all yeah. three all three books and uh with this one in particular uh what would you say besides you know all the 80s action movie tropes like what would you say is uh the biggest inspiration for uh you know for all these three books and all these three stories um the biggest inspiration. Well, for us, it's it's getting the Deadpool team back together, and and for me, it, it anything Jerry Duggan and Scott Koblish want me to work on, I will. I mean, I had fun with every artist we had on Deadpool. We had some great guys, Mike Hawthorne. We had Tony Moore do some stuff. You know, we had guys I'm friendly with, and but Scott Koblish. Anytime you want to do anything funny, he can nail it harder than anybody like and action. Like, so to put any dumb idea you have and know that this guy is going to deliver it, that's what drew me to it. You know, mm -hmm. um, I have so much fun writing with Jerry and then writing for Scott or, you know, and having knowing that Scott's going to crush every page. Nice. <laughs> Like there's not enough room, you know, room in my house. I wish I could own every page that he's done for us, you know, <laughs> and just have my walls covered. I'd look like an insane person, but. And uh, pretty much do you, um, do you present like the script and then he just pretty much like draws up the idea? Yeah. Uh, and he can do it the Marvel way too. We've done both. We, uh, you know, the old school Marvel way where uh, you just do kind of thumbnail of what the of what the story is going to be for each page and then he does the storytelling and then and then we come back in and and uh you know fill the word balloons and the captions and you know and that and keep the story moving and add the comedy but uh we've done both and he's he's great at both that's pretty awesome i'm not gonna lie yeah it's fun the marvel way is fun I because I'm so hands on as a writer that to do something where I'm kind of giving control to him 
mm-hmm. it it kind of scares me <laughs> but <laughs> but to see the result and to, but also to know that my buddy that he's great so he's he's i know he's got it handled but for me to go okay somebody else writing i guess <laughs> that's usually my thing <laughs> you know yeah and uh actually uh this leads me to like a different kind of question but um since you did work quite heavily on season four of uh metalocalypse um you know did you like draw some influence because you know it's known for its blood its gore can't forget its metal um language uh did he draw some influence from the previous stuff that you did with deadpool or you know was that all kind of just new ideas that you kind of wrote down and um then the animators just kind of brought it to life Oh, it's its own thing. Yeah. And then that's also Brendan Small's show. The guy is a genius and I'm just lucky to be his friend. And, <laughs> and uh, when I'm in the room with him, it's like a lot of like, yeah, boss, that's amazing, boss. You know, <laughs> but but he's my pal. And and uh, I mean, it's mostly encouraging him. And yeah, sure. I got some jokes in and I got I got some stories in. But um they were original and they're for, you know, they're inspired by the show that I love the show. And uh, I love the relationship between Squiscar and, and Toki. So my <laughs> pitch was to have them. I did the one where uh, Squiscar does the tell all book about Toki and Squiscar or Toki does a tell all book about Squiscar and their relationship. And, and it was Squiscar is Am's dicks, but uh, <laughs> That was one of the stories I got through. And then I had one. Yeah, my other story was Squiscar 2 about uh, him having all these mom's boyfriends, which I didn't have a ton of mom's boyfriends, but I had enough mom's boyfriends <laughs> to be dramatic as a teenager. God, that, oh man, that's the show is incredible. Um, I'm but that's really the, glad. Uh, can I jump back in? Yeah. Brendan wants like real stories like sure it's this animated story about this messed up band that says crazy stuff uh, you know say crazy shit on that show and but that's not what it's really about you know it's the relationships and that kind of stuff and he wants real stories so one of the first things he asks when you come in like when you're starting a new season is uh you know what can you draw what can we draw from and make and put it in our characters like what's a like a real story you had or something with your mom or where your brother or something like that i don't i don't have any siblings but that's what he's looking for you know yeah okay that's pretty awesome and i mean i can on you know um see that you guys are friends that's why it feels so real and you know because he puts his self into it too like he's got his relationships with his parents all over that show so you know (laughs) yeah and um, also, uh, I could see that you guys, you know, are friends because uh, he did do some work with you in uh, Grandpa Metal. Big fan of that yeah. album as well. <laughs> oh, cool. Thank you. Any uh, any word on uh, maybe a volume two for that? <laughs> for sure, because because of COVID, we never got to tour it. And so I feel like a lot of people didn't even hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's out there and we, we sold some copies. But I mean, that's not a thing that people really do anyway now sell records but uh the old the old guy in me wanted to sell some records but uh 
we're gonna do it again for sure i'm i've been talking with uh joe troman one of the other guys that i wrote with on mm-hmm. the on the record so he and i already have a few ideas that we're kicking around and then we'll we'll talk to scott and we'll talk to brendan and that's how it gets started that's how it got started last time it, t- it took the last time we spent a, a few years on it i i called it the <laughs> uh chinese democracy of comedy metal records but uh <laughs> We didn't spend quite as much time as Axl Rose did on his record, but uh, we, we did spend a lot of time for a comedy record that no one heard. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly, um, because I mean, I remember waking up one Friday morning, getting ready for work, and then on Spotify, I see Posey's, you know, Grandpa Metal. I was like, I didn't even know he was coming out with the with an album. I was like, hell yeah, I'm listening to this. Well, it had its its circle, you know, in metal, it was it was out there and, you know, and we, we did as much promoting as we could. So but uh, without being able to tour it, we were going to go out and Scott and I were going to do uh, Scotty Ian and myself were going to do a tour where we went around the country and then did, you know, stand up. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the show, uh, we would do well, he doesn't do stand up, but he tells stories, you know, and then at the end of the show, we would come back out together and do these songs and uh unfortunately we didn't get to hopefully you know that may you know that comes around and we get to see it live so yeah i'd love (laughs) to do something like that with him and maybe even brendan and you know and go out on the road for a couple weeks and that'd be awesome tell jokes and sing songs (laughs) yeah and then uh from my understanding is i have uh uh you know quite the pipeline right now for image so uh you want to tell us a little bit more about all your projects they have, uh, you know, coming up. Yeah. Well, I also have acts at heavy metal magazine. Um, I would been doing that in their issues, uh, an ongoing story in there with Joe Troman. Um, and, uh, that's coming out on hardcover in the new year. Um, and then first thing I think is going to be, a book by Joe Troman and myself called Rifters. And it's a, it's a sci-fi police procedural comedy uh, for uh, that's for image. Uh, And uh, (laughs) it's amazing art. And we've got some guest stars with Tony Moore is doing a a variant cover. uh, So that first issue is going to be killer. And I'm already looking at art for uh, issue two and three. And it's, we've got this guy, Chris Johnson, uh, LA artist and he's amazing um, and then I've got this thing with Rick Ramender that I'm doing and that came about through COVID where I just called him one day and said hey do you want to do a skateboard comic book because he and I uh, grew up in the 80s and we both skateboarded I was terrible at it I fell and I worked at a skateboard shop in Sacramento in the 80s and I just had a lot of good memories and so did he so we just uh, basically just started writing so what we know you know which is always the key to writing something good is uh writing you know in areas that you know so we're we just put our own stories so it's basically a comic book about a couple of kids in the 80s skateboarding and falling in love and you know friendship and living with grandparents and people fighting with their parents and you know real stories but yeah. told through uh you know, a couple of old crusty old dudes that actually live these stories. <laughs> Those are the two big ones. And then I've got a couple other things that, you know, behind that image, but 
I don't want to take off too too much more, you know, bite up more than I can choose. So we're definitely doing these first two first, and 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 uh, they're both possibly ongoing. Um, we've we've laid it out to where we could do just a couple of stories and do like six or twelve issues, or we can do it for a couple of years too. So both things we've addressed, you know, the potential of doing them ongoing. Nice. That's uh, you know, what I like like to hear the ongoing series. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. Well, I obviously Deadpool was one, but I haven't done one for Image yet. But I, I you know, I, I feel like the Rifters one for sure, and uh, Gromits. If if Rick and I uh, want to, we can definitely you know get more out of that too. Yeah. Um. When does uh when does Rifters actually uh, come out? It, that's a good question. That's an image question. <laughs> uh, you know, it'll hopefully before summer for sure. We, okay. we we're planning on taking it out during con time, but uh, yeah, that's the idea. Okay. Yeah. Uh, also, don't want to you know not cross any NDAs or anything like that. So <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> and um, any other projects, uh, you know, or anything else you really want to like bring up that we must hear? You want to tell the world? Yeah, I have a, a special coming out that's going to be everywhere uh, in January. But in December, I think it's December 7th or 6th, it's going to be on uh, moment.com. Uh, and uh we're going to do a whole thing, but if you follow me on my social media, I'll be talking more about it, but, uh, on Brian Um, it's basically, we'll show my special and then I'll also do like, you can, if you pay a couple of bucks for it, there'll be like a, a, a room where you can chat with me afterwards and that kind of nice. things. So it'll be a, a fun event the night of, and then it'll be available everywhere. Nice. And I definitely uh, follow you on Twitter. So, that's how I get my notifications too. <laughs> yeah, and it's called Posina non grata. <laughs> I love puns, and uh, so oh, most of my album titles have been puns. I saw from uh, going through your IMDb as well. <laughs> yeah, and actually, I just have um, this is actually a burning question that I've had for a while. Um, so. When it came to Mission Hill, did you just record the 13 episodes and like that was it? Um, or did he actually record, you know, all 18 and then just got word like, hey, we're getting dropped. Episode 13, this is like where we're going to end things. Uh, yeah, we only recorded 13. That sounds right. Okay. Yeah, because uh, Wikipedia has the synopsis for the last five episodes of the first season. So I don't know if any actual recording was done yeah. or yeah it's been so long um <laughs> i mean what year did that come out oh i don't even know uh when it was on Wik when it said wikipedia but they have the episode synopsis for 14 15 16 17 and 18 on there it just says uh i'm finished late 90s right 98 yeah 99 um and it ran to 2002 that's uh when adult swim picked it up at Oh, and they right. aired episode yeah, 13. We WB and WB passed uh, after the. I feel like we only shot 13. What? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's so. Mission Hill nerds would know better than me. <laughs> I was just there for it. 
Yeah, so when I saw on Wikipedia that, you know, there was actually episode synopsis for the final episodes, that kind of just threw me off. I was like, huh, got to ask. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to look those up now. Um, because it's sad because I felt like that show just got better as we went. One of the last episodes we did was, uh, um, it was a Plan 9 take from uh, that Ed Wood movie. And uh, I, I think it was called I Married a Spaceman or I Fell in Love with a Spaceman. And uh, it was the the relationship of Tom Kenny and his uh, his lover on the show. Uh, yeah. These two older guys. And I just loved that we were doing that, you know, late 90s. Pretty, You know, it was pretty progressive. And, and uh, I thought it was one of the best parts of the show and in that episode like their story was like uh really tender it was really sweet yeah a good episode and, and a, a good like uh half hour you know bit of television it's pretty pretty perfect yeah and uh I, honestly i want to say that's probably the first project i've ever heard your voice on and then you know as the internet progressed your fame grew you know i was like Oh, I can actually put a face to to the voice now. I know who this guy is. <laughs> right. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that one was where uh I auditioned for it, but they were like, We like your real voice, so do something close to that, you know, the clip mm-hmm. that has a, the bass that I have in my voice, <laughs> the natural qualities. I have a kid now that actually sounds like me, and it's it's a trip to hear oh man. Other, like, <laughs> bass heavy voice in the house he's 13 but you'll hear him playing video games going fuck you know it's like (laughs) all right dude he's it sounds like a grown man is cursing in his room but no also uh last question um and then you know again you can address anything else you would like to um but i have you down as pom poco being your first voiceover role um and you know, at any point, do you think, uh, you know, you would actually be doing uh, some heavy voiceover or, you know, sticking to the writer's room? You know, what was your whole process uh, after you started getting more more voiceover gigs and did actually did this launch you into voiceover stuff? You know, I, I'm not um, practiced in voiceover i just like i i mostly got voices where i was doing my or close to my own voice you know um a couple of things like three south i did two characters on that show on on mtv so one of them had to be totally different from the other and so i went with like a nasally high-pitched guy that i was doing there that todd the ra um but i'm always kind of drawing from my natural voice quality. And uh, so I just kind of fell into it and it just felt, I'm, I'm like one of the luckiest dudes in LA, like as far as acting, <laughs> like, yeah, I wanted to, but that's not why, why I moved here. I moved here to write and um, was doing stand up in, in LA and a casting agent saw me, threw me on a sitcom the next day. Like it's really, <laughs> like that's the first tv show i got like i didn't you know audition for years or get an acting coach or do this or that you know i did eventually take a couple of acting classes but they were more about like auditioning and that kind of thing just to be able to um 
uh, cold read and, you know, uh, look at material and, and get the, you know, the gist of it quickly and then go and audition for these things. So it's not, it wasn't really acting. <laughs> it's more <laughs> like getting jobs. Uh, and uh, luckily, you know, I, I, I stumbled into it. I'm, I'm sure most actors would want to kill me if they heard, you know, knew my story. <laughs> and how, Cause like a lot of the big shows that like, every grandma in America knows me from big bang theory, but I didn't even audition for that show. Like they, they wrote this little part and, and I came in and, and crushed the little part and they said, Hey, if we write more, will you come back? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And I wound up doing, you know, 15 of them or so. So, uh, but that was just from them knowing, you know, that guy can do that thing. You know what I mean? At right. this point I've been doing it for so long. All right. Well, that's still pretty cool. I <laughs> and um, yeah. Um, anything else uh, that you want to you know particularly cover or go over that we may have missed? No, I think we covered it. You know the 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 comic books. I'm so stoked to be talking about them after having them in my head for so long. So uh, you know, Scott McTiernan and the other ones. It's just uh, it's nice to have them out for people to read. I'll definitely be picking up my copies. Cool. Thanks so yeah. much for talking to me. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, just want to say thank you so much for your time. Uh, it was a pleasure having you on here. Artless.io.